I'm going to talk about, well, this week was the full moon in July. And traditionally, that's considered the time of year we celebrate or remember the first teaching of the Buddha, his first um, Dharma talk that he gave about seven weeks after his enlightenment. And he gave it to some of his um, his former companions who he was uh practicing aestheticism with and so that's called the turning of the wheel of the dhamma meaning that when the buddha gave this teaching about basically the four noble truths and the eightfold path the really core 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 components of his teaching it turned the wheel of dharma put it in motion and it's been in motion um all these years since you know for over 2600 years and so um it's uh, remembered in many, many, many places in monasteries and temples around the world. So I just kind of wanted to talk about the this idea of turning the wheel in motion and what the Buddha taught. And um, uh, it was, yeah, he um, basically, he kind of, if you're familiar with the story, the Buddha was raised in a in a somewhat comfortable in comfortable circumstances whether he was a prince or the son of a chieftain or whatever it was he was he was considered comfortable and he gave that up in order to go um, into spiritual life because he found there that that pleasant all the time to be lacking in some ways and then especially when he really began to notice people who were old or sick or corpses. He said, wait a minute, what's going on here? There's there's suffering in this world. They want to understand what that is about. And he, he went to practice and he practiced with some sages and and he got all he could from them. Learned meditation techniques. And then for ones who believe that this this attachment to the body is the root of our suffering, is the cause of our suffering. So that they wanted to break any attachment we had to the body. So they you I know there were some the aesthetics in the Catholic Church would wear hair shirts and just really self more practice self-mortification just to, you know, really this incredibly aversive relationship with the body and the Buddha was eating, I think he was down to just a couple of grains of rice a day. So when you see those pictures of, of an, a very emaciated Buddha, it's of this time period. And he finally at some point said, this is not what it's about. And he sat, um, he said, I'm going to, um, he got a little healthier after almost dying from these practices. And he said, you know, and that's when he sat under the tree and said, I'm going to, um, sit here until I understand the nature of suffering and the and the the end of suffering and then he attained his enlightenment and it was seven weeks after that that he went out to teach and he taught um, uh, this this idea of the middle way what was it the middle way which gives rise oh, without veering towards either of these two extremes either the extremely pleasant or the extremely unpleasant, the one attuned to reality has awakened to the middle way. And this middle way gives rise to vision, gives rise to knowledge, which leads to peace, which leads to higher knowledge, 
which leads to full awakening to Nibbana, which is complete cessation of clinging or attachment and just ultimate freedom, liberation. I talked about, I think I talked about, I talked about liberation a couple of weeks ago. So this total letting go, but recognizing it's this walking of the middle way, not to any extremes, but just recognizing this, this not to, you know, it's like Goldilocks. Not too hot, not too cold, not too hard, not too soft, just right. It's that middle path. And um, it's interesting because when he came um, upon his old companions who basically gave him such a hard time for, you know, walking away from the aesthetic practices, and he gave them this, this Dharma talk about the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path and the nature of suffering, um, one of them was enlightened, and I'll touch on that again in a little bit, immediately. But in other suttas, in other, other of the discourses, he didn't start out with this key teaching because people weren't quite ready yet. And so what he did is he primed the pump, so to speak, and he taught them, this is uh, from one of the suttas, and it says, the Blessed One gave the householder a step-by-step -step discourse. That is a talk on giving, on generosity. So first, there's the practice of generosity, which is the antidote to clinging. So you practice generosity. And then a talk on moral virtue, virtue, so ethical behavior. So this is laying the groundwork, this groundwork of generosity, of ethical behavior. And then talks of, of in the heavenly, heavenly realms, it says, and... Um, Talked uh, gave him a talk about the the greed and hatred and um, um, delusion, the defilements, which which is how we get stuck in this world. And then finally, when the mind was clear, he gave the the talk about the noble truths and the eightfold paths. When the mind was ready, and we do that so much in this country or in the in the west um, we start right out with the with the suffering and the nature of suffering and the end of suffering and and then we bring in later the practice of generosity and ethical behavior which is why sometimes it is so challenging to sit because we don't have this groundwork of 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 uh, of a clear mind because with ethical behavior comes this this clarity this cl this um ease of conscience so to speak so um that's that's the groundwork but um so when you're finally there then you get the four noble truths and the eightfold path and that's what the middle way is this the nature of suffering the end of suffering and the what the cause and how to get out of it and that's it um and then he proceeded to teach the next 45 years the same thing in a multitude of ways depending on who he was talking to and we have volumes and volumes and volumes of his teachings um, because there are countless Dharma doors through which these teachings can come and words and lessons. And so, um, and one of the, one of the things it says, he says, when we, when we, um, undertake this is what this middle way gives rise to vision and vision is seeing clearly. It's seeing what is actually happening. It's the clarity around the origin of suffering. And it's the clarity that we see that our attachment to whatever it is brings this discomfort, brings this dissatisfaction, this dukkha. 
that is often translated as suffering. It's to cling is to suffer. And um, this clarity is not just about small things, but it's about bigger picture stuff. And I, I have to say, I mentioned Larry Ward earlier when I was offering the meditation instructions, but I was Dharma talk he gave the other night. Um, and I'm always so inspired by him. He's such a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful teacher. And he talked about how he was impacted by the Roe v. Wade, the Supreme Court's overturning of Roe v. Wade. And he said what he likes to do is follow things back. He likes to understand things. So he looked at Alito's arguments and then what he based those on. And he went back and he went back and he went back. And he said, basically, the United States is still trapped in 17, in the 17th century in the colonial point of view. And so to see that our conditioning is not just our own familial conditioning, but the big picture, the world in which we live, the water in which we swim, we have to understand that. There's a tremendous um, uh, amount of conditioning. There's a tremendous amount of uh, things that are rigid and in place and un, un tractable they just won't give and we think that's the way it is i remember saying i can't help it i'm born this way and slowly 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 those things have fallen away because it's not i was born this way it's habits i've picked up and so we don't just have our own personal habits but there's cultural habits national habits of you know personalities of of countries and things and so to have that clarity as well is incredibly important and to investigate if this is is this causing harm you know because he larry larry ward gave a talk a couple of years ago about the colonial mindset too and it's basically what wealthy white men and that's what the laws in our country support and um and you can see it if you pay attention um over and over again and so to understand the big picture of suffering so i just brought that in because i'm so always so inspired by his talks and things and um we get into these habits of mind so to really attain freedom and liberation we have to crack through all these things all these ideas that um this is the way it is and this is the way it's supposed to be and we can't be any different and and recognize that that rigidity is is um, a fixed view that does cause so much suffering, whether our own fixed views or the fixed views of others that, that spill out over on, onto us. Um, so I mentioned it again with the meditation, but he said that we are so disconnected from our internal life and our actual awareness of what's going on because we're stuck in our heads and our ideas and the conditioned viewpoints that we have to reconnect into this internal life and it's the direct experience where we see this is uncomfortable it's what the buddha did he was connected to his when he was siddhartha gautama and looking around at birth and death and sickness and old age and and saying wait a minute what's going on here and and the 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 story he'd been told about it's good all the time, that wasn't, that didn't work. And then the, the aesthetic life, it's like, you know what, this isn't true either. 
it's all about our direct experience. And the only way we're connected with our direct experience of the world is by cultivating and understanding and reconnecting with our internal life. And it's the, the turning of the wheel of the Dhamma is this invitation to reconnect. You know, and clean that path toward freedom. So that that recognition, that vision is the clarity. And then the next thing that's that's offered is the knowledge. We attain this knowledge and see clearly what's going on. The knowledge of, of this, you know, what people are doing, what's 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 causing harm, what's beneficial, what's not beneficial. And then we have this awareness, okay, this is what it is. And then we can have some, you know. Even when things are uncomfortable, even when things are challenging, we can be at ease. There can be a sense of ease because we have this solid foundation beneath us. We have this connection with the present time. We have this connection with the moment. We know somebody um larry, larry ward was saying um somebody asked him what he believed in he said i don't believe what was his line oh it's over there but i think i think i had it here he said oh i don't believe anything i just live i don't believe i just live i am in the moment and that comes from being connected to our internal life and can, living with direct experience of the world around us, reconnecting with nature. We think we're not, you know, we think nature is separate from us. We're not separate from nature. We're part of nature. But our mind has disconnected us from Last week I talked about connection, the, the, this connection and reconnecting with what we actually are is so important. Um, and so having this, this grounding, this reconnection with ourselves, we begin to see how we suffer. We understand the nature of suffering. It's the craving for something usually pleasant. This is, a, this is another piece of a sutta. It's this craving which leads to renewed existence, this ongoing suffering, um, this craving for delight and attachment, seeking delight now, here, now, there, over here, over there, everywhere. We want pleasant, pleasant, pleasant. Craving for sense pleasures, craving for existence, craving for the extermination of what is not liked. When we get caught up in that idea of this is good, this is bad, this has to change, then we suffer. Instead of saying, okay, right now it's like this, I can see that it's like this. Um, birth is suffering, death is suffering, you know, sickness is suffering, losing what we, losing everything we're close to. What is it? The five remembrances. I am of the nature to grow old, get sick, and die. Everything I have will be taken from me. 
all I have are my actions. And the wise actions come from this, this knowledge, this wisdom that comes from this practice, recognizing where suffering is, is born and how we cling and to be willing to let go of that. It's incredibly important to have this willingness to let go of what we think needs to be. Um, there is freedom on the other side. And again, I'm going to have the caveat. It doesn't mean we don't work to end injustice. It doesn't mean that. It means how we hold each moment. And seek out enjoyment. He said, Larry Ward said that, you know, he has to seek out the hope that exists. Otherwise, he'd be like enraged all the time because of everything. And, 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 that, and that rage is an emotion that shows up. And it's like, okay, this is not going to take me anywhere beneficial. I can use it as a springboard, but how do I not fall into that, you know, that um, end of the spectrum? And how do I come back to the middle way? It's like, okay, there's the rage, but there's also, you know, the, the singing of the birds. There's also the joy of some lovely meal or being with a friend. To recognize that's just important. This, this, this combination of both is, is um, important. The freedom comes when there's no preference for anything. We don't believe anything. We just live. Just live. You know, my husband, um, my husband has been going through a lot of health issues over the last year. It's really, bless his heart, it's been, it's been quite a slog for him. And um, every once in a while, you know, we, we, we and, and it's, it's, there's a good prognosis and, and everything's going to get to a point where he's on the other side. But, you know, there's all these markers and it's like, okay, he finished this piece and then he went through chemotherapy and it, okay, he's on the other side of chemotherapy, but he, chemotherapy and and then he's still got some other stuff going on and and I realized where he goes is to this place of wanting to be normal and it's like I want to be normal I want it to be where it used to be and it's like there is no normal there's only right here and it's that that bumping up against normal of the idea of what it's supposed to be it's like well i'm done with that how come i'm not it's taking too long it's been a year it should you know when we get caught up in shoulds and so there's the discomfort of actually what he's going through and then there's the te terrible mental discomfort the suffering that's the second arrow there's the first arrow of the the ill health and then there's the second arrow of i don't want it to be this way I want it to be over and it'll be over when it's over. It can't be over until then. So how do you hold that discomfort? How can you be with that? That's the middle way. That's letting go of wanting what we want when we want it, which is what the Buddha talked about. We want it. We want, we want what it was a line, you know, seeking delight now here, now there. You know, I want it here, I want it there, I want it everywhere. So just come back, come back. Um, we have to drop all, we, what is, we recreate, through this practice, we recreate our self-understanding. It's a, it's a transformation. You know, we drop all our prior ideas. 
you know, our own ideas and then recognizing the, the, the stories of the ancestors that we carry in our bodies, whether we know individual stories or not. Um, you know, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, the trauma for people of color, for black people, for indigenous people in this country. There's, um, I was doing some ancestor work a couple of years ago and I don't know anything about my background. Um, I know my sets of my grandparents came over uh, from Lithuania and 120 years ago or so. And then other grandparents came over from Ireland or great grandparents, um, like uh, maybe 170 years ago from Ireland. And so when I was talking to this person I was working with, she said, well, you may not, I don't know anything about their stories at all, at all. And she says, well, you don't have to know their stories. They're them individually, but what was going on in their home countries when they fled? Because that trauma is in the DNA. And they were both living under, or they were all living under really awful circumstances. And so to recognize that that stuff carries. And so to recognize how we're connected in so many ways that we may not understand, it's this creation of I, me, my is where there's so much suffering. And so can we let go of that I, me, and my and just say, you know what? It's like this. It's not about me. It's this deep connection with the universe that we all have. And right now it's like this, let me turn towards the direct experience of this moment and greet it with wisdom, greet it with clarity, greet it with knowledge. And with that, that wisdom and vision and knowledge, there's an ease that arises, a balance, this middle way that is um, the path to freedom. And then the Buddha, as I said, taught, he taught the Four Noble Truths. There's, there's the suffering of being a human being. There's the, it's our craving for pleasure and our, our, our ignoring the reality of life um, that causes the suffering. And, but there is a way, and that way is the Eightfold Path. And the Eightfold Path is this, almost like a step-by-step how-to to live in harmony with the universe. And I've gone through, you know, talked about the Eightfold Path a gazillion times, but it's so important. It, it infuses everything you do so much. Um, and um, the Buddha said his teachings, the Four Noble Truths, the Eightfold Path, are not something that we have to believe. It's not like it's dogma but rather be open to see and contemplate and respond appropriately. We find our own way with these teachings. Like he said, you know, don't believe it just because I say it. See for yourself if this relieves your suffering. Is this the path away from suffering or path towards suffering? A path away from discontent or path towards discontent? That's the truth of this teaching. Because the Buddha followed these other paths and it didn't, he just kept hitting brick walls and said, this is not it. Aestheticism, you know, lots of, lots of good stuff all the time. There's, there's something missing in each of those. And this being fully attuned to reality is the way of peace, is the way of ease. Um, 
And that was, you know, when the when the one of his old co companions um, heard the teaching, he gained immediate enlightenment when he heard the words of the Buddha and the wheel was set in motion. In fact, what it said is um, when the wheel of the basic pattern of things had been set in motion by the blessed one. This is what it says in the sutta. The earth dwelling devas raised a cry. Um, yeah, let's see. The earth dwelling devas, the devas of the four great kings raised the same cry. 33 devas took it up. And so basically the whole world says the wheel of the Dhamma has been set in motion. And so here we are still rolling along all these years hence, um, you know, and um, I can speak that his has really, there's been a root transformation in my life. There's been a tremendous amount of freedom. I no longer suffer the way I suffered. I no longer, I mean, I do to a certain extent, but not as greatly as I used to get so trapped by those stories about the, those views of my world and me and my and I and you and them and they, if they would only get their shit together, then we'd be okay. Um, they are never, it's never going to happen. They are never going to do it right. So how can I be at ease in spite of they? Um, that's really a key, key, key part of this. And so, um, yeah, that's, that's just kind of my, um, reflection on this, this, this very, um, in, as I said, in Buddhist, uh, circles, a very, uh, important reflection. You know, what is it? Uh, I think it was oh, the nuns from Aloka Vihara talked about, this uh this uh this day the day the buddha gave his first teaching to the five aesthetics with whom he had been practicing before he realized awakening he taught them to take the middle way between asceticism and sensual indulgence he taught them the four noble truths during this teaching one of those five aesthetics had a deep understanding of the teaching and at that moment the wheel of the dhamma began turning and through the dedication study practice and insight of many it continues to keep turning today for the benefit of all beings we don't do this for ourselves we do this for the benefit of all beings these are our spiritual ancestors going all the way back to the the buddha all these folks who have done this, just as we have um, biological ancestors, we have spiritual ancestors, we have land ancestors, we have place ancestors, we are connected to everything. And so to remember that and to reconnect with our internal experience is a way to um, connect with everything. So thank you, thank you, thank you, my friends. What a delight to be with you and share the Dharma. and. Um, I hope it will be of some benefit. Thank you for visiting Undefended Dharma. These teachings are freely offered. However, if you would like to make a donation to help support the technology that makes these podcasts possible, please visit 
marystancavage.org backslash support. Thank you.